0: Subscribe now using promo code LIGHT24 to save 50% and unlock access to everything foreign policy has to offer.
1: Thanks very much for coming along. Um, this is... Yeah, this is kind of my, my little talk about the philosophy of confidence, which is a, a kind of concept that I've that I've kind of come up with along um, with my partner, who's, uh, who I'll, And I'll tell you a bit more about how all this came about. Um, but um, basically, yeah. So uh, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and answer um, these four questions, and I'm going to do that kind of using the trying to use the philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche, um, who who, as I see it, is kind of the philosopher of confidence. Um, but I thought, I thought first I'd kind of tell you a bit about um, kind of my introduction to this, um, to this topic. Um, so, in fact, I, so I was kind of thinking on the way up. Um, when I first kind of really started to think that confidence was really important, um, and actually I, I couldn't really remember at all, it just always seemed to have been as kind of self-evident truth that confidence was um, in some way this, the kind of the X factor there the, the secret, the skeleton key to life, I guess you could think of it. The, that kind of cheat code that once you enter it, then everything just sort of sorts itself out. You know, the path smooths, smooths its way in front of you, um, and it kind of makes the difference between success and failure, um, happiness and kind of discontent. It's sort of, it's, it's that thing. And But at the same time, of course, it's, it's almost impossible to kind of put your finger on it. It's one of those things that... Um, that you, you know it when you feel it, and you know it when you see it, but it's it's strangely hard to define what it is. Anyway, I was kind of completely fascinated by this idea, um, both kind of in my life and also um, intellectually in thinking about it. Um, and so, so I decided that I was going to write this book, uh, exploring the deep philosophy of confidence. Um, and I decided that this book was going to be absolutely brilliant, because um, because the thing is that unlike a kind of boring regular work of genius this book would... Uh, no, no, really, these are all actual thoughts that I've actually had. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because unlike a boring regular work of genius, this book would um, kind of include everything, essentially. So it would include all thinkers uh, from Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Machiavelli, Wittgenstein, basically anyone you can think of, uh, this book would include. Um, but even more than that, it would, um, it would kind of go beyond just any kind of traditional sense of genres. Because it would be a combination of autobiography, fiction, and philosophy. Um, so it would it would kind of be, and it would be a kind of exhibition uh, of, I guess, all possible talents and all possible thoughts. Um, so so I anyway I sorry, I had this idea, um, and so I, I set to work. Um, but uh, strange as it may be to imagine, um, as soon as I got started, I ran into difficulties. Um, and I think, and, and, um, and I mean, the I mean, obviously, because it's, it's quite obvious that um, this kind of hugely ambitious project was maybe never going to succeed. But the, what well the experience of it was like for me, um, it was like I guess I guess you, I'm sure you all learn this this kind of that strange way that confidence seems to connect to everything, that um, it kind of it kind of runs through everything. It kind of and it can change almost any kind of thing you do. It, you know, whether it's work, um, relationships, um, sex. It can be linked to politics, money. Um, and, and, when, and my sense of when I was kind of getting very confused and lost um, was that in this, this kind of completely interconnecting maze, I was sort of wandering and, and I'd always kind of connect one thing to another thing and somehow I'd kind of end up back where I started, unpicking the thread that I'd trying to be knitting, if you, if you get the metaphor. Um, and, um, and then, you know, and this kind of carried on actually for, for some time, years we're talking about, And then I discovered the philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche, and suddenly, I I guess, kind of, you know, a lot of things I've been reading have been directing me towards him, um, and I started to read his philosophy a lot more, and I realised that Nietzsche was a philosopher of confidence, and that in some ways he'd said everything that I wanted to say already before me, Um, which, in some in some ways, was kind of slightly demoralising, but. but actually, it was kind of a relief because I thought, "Oh, fantastic! This at last, this guy, this person, can be my guide to confidence in both in both thought and deed." So, um, so just a quick bit about Nietzsche then. Um Nietzsche's a German philosopher who lived in the second half of the 19th century, um, and he, during his life, um, he wasn't really recognised at all, or kind of acknowledged for um, maybe what most people now think is his genius, but. Um, but he wrote he wrote a kind of series of, of quite kind of strange books, that weren't really in a in a normal philosophical form, and th- the core of his philosophy, as I see it, is his kind of soaring praise of individual self-expression. This is what really his philosophy is. It's a, a call to, to free ourselves, and um, he says, "Become who you are." This is one of his his granite sentences, one of his kind of his catchphrases, I suppose, um, and uh, and this is kind of um, I mean, he, he grew up in a very conservative, conventional time and what he was, he was calling on people to, to free themselves and unleash their creative energy to do and make great things. And he rarely uses the word confidence, but he always refers to this um, kind of indefinable force uh, that is kind of somehow making all this happen there's this kind of this, this energy, I think that's the best way to talk about actually, this energy or this force that you tap into. And it kind of seemed to me that in modern language, we would call that confidence. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so what is Nietzsche's philosophy of confidence? So I guess the, the, the first place to start is with kind of what he identifies confidence as. And he goes about this in quite an interesting way. Um, he, because by looking at the, what confidence is not, to what is the, the opposite of confidence? And um, he he identifies because I, uh, I, I guess because you you, you you might think the opposite of confidence is kind of feeling really down or kind of being being depressed, but I think but Nietzsche looks at it in a kind of more momentary way, and um, he says that the opposite of confidence is self-consciousness. And I think this this kind of really rang true to me, in the sense that you know when I think about not being and not having confidence. I think about those moments at parties when, um, oh God, actually this happened to me the other day, that I was at a meeting where there were loads and loads of people kinda around the side, and it, was sort of, and it was sort of being dominated by a few loud voices. And, and I kind of wanted to say something, but then I hadn't for a while. And then I started to really think about what I was gonna, what, what, what am I gonna say? Oh, okay, right, and I started to steal myself to, to it. And then, and then when the moment came, I thought, oh, God, oh, God. I, and I sort of, I said, yeah, I'll just, I just won't say anything. Um, and I thought, and it was just like a classic instance of where you've kind of out-thought yourself. And, you, and, and, you know, this is, um, and I, say, I, guess, I guess essentially you're kind of overthinking. And so if that's the opposite of confidence, and this is what Nietzsche suggests, then that means that confidence itself is a, um, essentially a, a kind of not thinking, the absence of, of thought, not thoughtlessness, but a um, a kind of different kind of of sort of more um, bodily action that is swifter and faster than rational conscious thought. And this kind of coincides with a lot of what contemporary psychologists say. Um, It's what contemporary psychologists might call flow or being in the zone. And uh, and for Nietzsche, it seemed that this was the absolute key to life. And that's why he says, genius resides in instinct. He calls it instinct or naturalness. Uh, and, And being able to access this kind of natural force was essentially what we were, what we should all be aspiring towards. Um, so, so then it comes to the question: Why is this important? Hmm. And this actually isn't a question that gets asked very often. Um, we tend, if you look at kind of most self-help books, um, they tend to answer the question, kind of why is confidence important? Well, it just is. It's confidence. You need it. It's useful. Um, but Nietzsche actually has a, a kind of slightly different take on this. And I think, um, and, and it's kind of, it's, it's very interesting to me because um, it kind of, it, it uh, looks at the fact that, um, if you look at kind of historically, confidence actually, actually wasn't always as important as it is today. It wasn't always valued in the same way. Um, so an interesting example might be um, the novels of Jane Austen. If, uh, you know, what, because essentially those novels are kind of about um, Young young people becoming adults. And if, we were, if they were written today, then they'd be dramas of, of self-consciousness and confidence. And that's, you know, if you kind of, it, when, when those books are converted into romantic comedies and made to films, then that's kind of always what they're really about. But in the novels themselves, Austen rarely talks about confidence or self-consciousness in quite that same way, because her novels are really about people trying to fit into their role in life. The goals are already set. It's how you get there that's the problem rather than this question of, like, oh, you know, where am I really going? What am I really doing? And she rarely, she rarely used the word confidence. Or another example might be, um, a slightly older example, might be Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Um, I think that was written in 1657 or something. And at one point, it was probably the book that the most people in the, in the Western world had read. Um, and in that, in, in that book, it kind of follows the, the, the... It's kind of an allegorical Christian novel, which follows the, character, the progress of a character trying to get to heaven, and um, just to make it totally clear what's going on, he's called Christian. Uh, and, and, he kind of, and on the way, he meets a series of characters who are trying to lead him astray. And these kind of all represent the sins that you should avoid. And on the way, he meets a character called Vain Confidence. And this character, Vain Confidence, tells Christian, well, uh, you know, don't worry, Christian, I know exactly where we're going. No worries, I'm in charge. Um, and, but in fact, Vain Confidence is so sure that he knows where he's going that he rushes ahead, uh, falls into a pit, and dies. And, um, and the basic message there is that um, if you're going to have confidence, then it should be confidence in God, in something greater than yourself, not in this, this vain confidence of believing in yourself, of, of pride. And that was kind of really, Nietzsche talks about this a, a lot, the way that the Christian attitude towards confidence and self-belief was to try and uh, push it down and to, uh, to try and repress it because you should be having faith in God. And of course, I mean, he's he's famous for his kind of anti-Christian sentiments, and this is where it, where it comes from. Um, so I guess so. I guess the question is then, what changed? Um, and so Nietzsche, so Nietzsche, kind of puts the change um, down to what he calls the death of God. So this is in this is kind of one of his famous phrases. He says, uh, God has died, um, and it's kind of in some ways quite misleading because God hasn't literally died, any more than his existence has been definitively disproved. But as, as Nietzsche kind of paints it, we have simply just, as a society, stopped believing. He says, um, some old sun has set, some old trust has turned to doubt. And in his own life, this is what happens. He was the son of a pastor in kind of very conven- um, kind of, uh, Protestant Germany, and both his grandfathers were also pastors. But around the age of 16, he just sort of seemed to, well, as he put it, kind of wake up and he just didn't really believe anymore. And obviously, I mean, obviously there was like about 10 years of conflict with his mother and he couldn't really tell her everything, but essentially his, kind of, uh, his belief had vanished. And Nietzsche says that this creates a state of, um, of, kind of questioning. When we don't have God, suddenly there are so many more questions that we're forced to ask ourselves. Like, why am I here? What is the point of all this? Just basically why, why anything? Why, why do we do this? When, when you've got God, all the questions are, are given; the answers are there. We we exist to live a good life, so we can receive our reward in heaven. Without God, well, I mean, we have to find these answers for ourselves. Nietzsche calls this state nihilism, this kind of state of uh, of kind of uh, this is this is the quote the the, um, the goal is lacking, um, and, uh, and and when he describes nihilism, it's basically um, it's an extreme form of self-consciousness. We are thinking too much, we're overthinking, we're constantly wondering why, what is the point? And so, and so Nietzsche essentially says that nihilism is spreading like an epidemic through Western society. In other words, self-consciousness is spreading like an epidemic through Western society. And that is why we obsess about confidence so much, and also why we, why we need it. It is somehow the answer to this, this great existential problem that Nietzsche was the first to pose. So of course that, that brings us on to the, the, the question that, um, that everyone wants to know the answer to, how to get confidence. Um, and in this area, uh, Nietzsche's not necessarily a very useful guide. Um, his answers tend to be um, kind of either weirdly specific, like, oh, you should drink tea in the morning, um, or kind of like so sort of super general that they're, complete, they're kind of impossibly inapplicable, like, um, oh, yeah, like, become who you are, you know, okay, great, thanks, that's really, that's really helpful. Um, uh, and I think, but I think the, the reason that he he's kind of giving this advice in the in this way is because what he's really trying to say is that um, that to become confident you need to live a confident life. That kind of confidence, I suppose, is a lifestyle. It is something that you you have to be with your whole self. And um, in many ways, the best the best guide to what this lifestyle might look like is Nietzsche's life himself. Um, because he didn't just think think these thoughts. He he really tried to live them in his own life. Um, I mean, the, you know, there's there's a lot of, there's often a lot of difficulty about kind of connecting a philosopher's life with their thoughts, and it's a it's a troublesome area. But I think in Nietzsche's case, he's so explicitly he he is the hero of all his own books, and all his own books are really about his attempt to live this life. And I think that the kind of the the reason I've got this quote up here is because. It's kind of what Nietzsche was really getting at in terms of how he lived his life was about essentially trying to be um, as unencumbered as possible. So he writes a lot about habit. He says this is a kind of a, a kind of amazing quote about habit, and what he means by habit is essentially all kind of regularity, uh, consistency, commitment, um, anything anything that ties you down, and that includes um, kind of relationships. Uh, in, in, this, in, in Nietzsche's case. He, so it kind of he, at a certain point, he decided that he was going to really go for this, and he left his job um, and started wandering freely, just going from place to place, living almost like a nomad. And he had he had no he had um, at this point he had no kind of real relationships, and his relationships with his friends were also very di- distant. But he was free and unencumbered. Um, but I guess when we're kind of uh, for me when I was looking at Nietzsche um, and kind of looking at this life, which um, in, in some ways, especially as he can kind of it, it, is incredibly appealing. It's incredibly attractive. Um, the one thing that did kind of does give me pause is that um, Nietzsche was so tremendously unhappy. I mean, he, I mean you know, in really, if you look at his life, it was it was incredibly miserable. Um, I mean, his his health was bad. His kind of family were really were really dreadful, and his career was a failure. Um, but, it, but aside from those things, um, I mean, uh, you yeah, know, because of course, yeah aside, yeah, aside from that, well, no, no, because, because the thing is, that of course, because that, that sort of thing can happen to anyone. But in Nietzsche's case, there is always this sense that he somehow chose to be unhappy. And looking back at his life, one is struck again and again by its sheer loneliness. Again, as, as I say, he, he uh, never married, never had children. And his relationship with his friends were always kind of, um, I guess they were sort of, he treated them more as secretaries or assistants. Than real equals or friends of the heart, Um, and I mean, even when he had, whenever he kind of had to, kind of came close to an intimate relationship with a woman, he was suddenly caught, wracked by this terrible fear that being with her would tie him down. The the one time we know for sure that he did have sex, he also contracted an STD. (laughs) And and this has kind of brought rise to all sorts of speculation that I mean, perhaps Nietzsche was, um, that he was kind of, that he was gay. Or that there was some, there was some kind of, some kind of stre- something strange going on with his sexuality, but all the best evidence on this just seems to suggest that um, he was just simply, in this case, wanted something else, and that was a life of, of complete freedom. So I guess this, this kind of brings me on to the um, to the question that I ended up really kind of posing and thinking about as I was kind of working through Nietzsche's thought. And this is a question that is never really asked in, in self-help books and why I think the philosophy of confidence, or at least looking at confidence philosophically, is really important. Because it asks the question where the confidence is worth aiming for. And I think that um, we can kind of always take it for granted that confidence is so... that it's just great. I think it's because it feels great and also because it's incredibly useful. But I think that actually we can, uh, we can identify three well, kind of problem areas with confidence. And, um, and I've kind of put them up here, because I think that confidence can make us lonely, cruel, and unstable. Um, so just to kind of explain briefly what I mean by this. Um, so I think confidence can make us lonely, because confidence convinces us that we don't need other people. So the perfectly confident person, and this in Nietzsche's books, this is him, this is himself, doesn't need anyone else. The perfectly confident person can live without love, because the perfectly confident person is an island in some way. And then I think confidence can also make us cruel because uh, this kind of same individualism leads us to see people solely as um, single units, without context. I, I always think of this when, whenever I hear someone, and um, this happens all, all the time, um, someone's talking about the kind of question of women in the workplace. And then I say something like, um, oh, well, there's, cause it's, there's a famous, famous thing called the confidence gap basically women don't have enough as as much confidence as men and then uh, th- through this confidence frame the answer becomes well women you need to get more confidence and and some and then and then it's kind of oh this is like another another sort of job for another job for women to have That's something more for them to do it's their responsibility it's their problem whereas you you might kind of you might think well you know maybe there are kind of more systemic issues at play or kind of bigger questions but somehow this frame it's, I think cruel, I mean, cruel is maybe a, a kind of a sort of word, a, a kind of a too strong a word here, but it's very tough. It's hard. And this was, of course, exactly the world that Nietzsche wanted. Thirdly, I think um, kind of confidence can make us unstable because um, its basic pattern is boom and bust. We achieve, so we believe. So we achieve, so we believe, until at some point our belief in ourselves goes pop out through the stratosphere of reality. And it takes a painful crash to bring the whole thing back down to earth. And we, because we we tend to think of confidence as something you have or something you are. But as I see it, in reality, it's a process, one that goes up and down. And that's just kind of the way that confidence is. And eventually, in in Nietzsche's case, um, his his kind of this instability drove him mad. He, he was living on his own um, and he kind of experienced a kind of tremendous burst of euphoria, which then turned to megalomania, and then he collapsed. And what he was suffering from, it kind of, at the time he was diagnosed with syphilis, but it turns out that what he was suffering from um, was what today we would call a really extreme form of bipolar disorder. And he, um, he lived another 10 years but never recovered sanity and kind of at, at that moment. And, and there's always a big question did Nietzsche's philosophy? Kind of didn't Nietzsche's philosophy drive him mad, but as it often seems to me that in some way that he just encouraged himself to, to go with his feelings, and eventually those feelings almost carried him away from himself. But of course, from his point of view, it, this is a very sad ending, but he was fulfilled. He, he saw that the goal of humanity cannot lie on its end, but only on its highest specimens. The peaks matter more than the average. He reached great peaks, and in that sense, his life was how he wanted it to. And that's also his view of society. The, the truly great specimens matter more than, than the mere, the herd, he calls us. Well, maybe, I mean, me, anyway, yeah. Uh, um, so anyway, um, so, so, so yes, yeah, so, so, so it's kind of working through Nietzsche's philosophy. As you can tell, I kind of ended up, I kind of I loved it, but I actually found it in many ways distasteful. And I guess, of course, because I was really thinking about myself and this experience that I had with this book, um, which I had these kind of this grandiose dream of what was possible, and I f- and in the end it was uh, really kind of quite ridiculous. Um, so I guess, um, and I wanted to kind of try and provide a bit more of a critical, um, a critical look at, co- at confidence, this kind of topic that we talk about and obsess about, and it seems so important. But what um, you might ask me, what is the alternative? Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I can only really answer for myself. And maybe that if I just kind of tell you, so what can kind of happen with the book? And that will kind of give you a sense of where I'm seeing this. Um, so basically, so I was writing this book, and it was uh, driving me around the twist, and it was this terrible millstone going around my neck, and I just couldn't get it done. And I'd always um, talked about it lots with my partner, who's a fantastic writer herself, and I kind of talked about it endlessly with her. And then um, at one point when a, a kind of particularly pressing deadline was coming up, she said, "Well, you know why don't we, we could write this together?" And that idea seemed completely at odds with my vision of myself, full of confidence, conquering the best-seller's lists, with my brilliant philosophical, novel autobiograph- autobiography thing. Um, but, but unlike that idea, this idea stood more of a chance of becoming a reality. So that's what we did. We wrote this book together, a mixture of fiction and philosophy, but written by two people instead of one. And going through that process made me really kind of think that actually um, a kind of a model of a kind of individualistic model of confidence can actually be replaced by a model of collaboration in which we work with each other and for each other because ultimately I feel like this is what makes us happy and what makes us fulfilled and what gives us a be- the best chance of all of us having a, a kind of more fo- a kind of satisfied life rather than Nietzsche's approach which is suitable for very very few people but has somehow been sold to everyone as if that should be the goal that we all share and so I, I, I've learned so much from Nietzsche and I take incredibly seriously his call to he says reevaluate our values given the situation that we're in but if I could suggest one thing, it would be that we, we kinda let go of this idea that we should be confident and instead look to collaborate and work together and make things instead. So there you go, thank you.